Crimson Tower Studios. Welcome to the Old World Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and the original podcast to bring you both discussion and actual play in 4th edition. I'm one of your hosts, Lance, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Steve and Matt. How are you gentlemen doing today? Doing quite well, Lance. Doing very well. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Awesome. Well, hey, before we get into the main show uh, and and everything and into the news section, we have some big news to talk about. And actually, the show is going to seem a little bit strange. So we had actually recorded the show earlier when Steve wasn't able to participate so the main um, topic of the show today is uh, we talked about careers, uh, slayers, and bailiffs. So Matt and I take on that discussion, um, but we kind of delayed releasing this podcast, this episode, because we wanted Steve to be part of the discussion and the news, because probably the biggest bomb that's ever been dropped by Cubicle 7 regarding 4th edition has happened. So we'll get to that in a little bit, but it might be a little jarring to see like, oh, Steve is there, and then he's not for a while, and then he's back. That's the reason why. So having said all of that, before we go any further and, and talk to about you know what we've been up to and stuff, we'd like to thank our outstanding Patreon backers. Their generous donations help to make this show possible. All right. So today we're going to thank Dries Van Pembroek. Thanks, awesome. Dries. Thanks, Dries. Thank you. You're the best. And boy, do I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. <laughs> right. See, I would have pronounced it like Dries Van Pummy. I don't know. No. Broek? Broek, no. yeah. Broek. Oh, I like Broek, but... It doesn't work. So, anyway, thanks, Dries. I did my best. (laughs) Once again, thank you. I beg your forgiveness. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for your support. Uh, If you'd like to join this fine example of a human being listed above and maybe want to buy us a drink, maybe a beer or some tea, uh, be sure to hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. For only a couple of dollars a month, you can help us continue to bring you discussion and actual play in the grim and gritty world of Warhammer fantasy roleplay. You know, Steve, I feel like that was a little specious. You don't know that he's a human. He could be a high elf. He could be an orc. You don't know what he plays. Could be, yeah, halfling. (laughs) I mean, I am sorry. I'm disgusted on behalf of our (laughs) listeners. Excellent. Well, anyway, so what have you guys been up to with gaming of late? Steve? Well, uh, as Final Fantasy fans know, Final uh. Fantasy VIII came out on PlayStation 4. So I've dabbled in that, haven't gotten too far, but man, it brings back some memories. Uh, of course, uh, Final Fantasy XV, still rolling in that as well, doing some side quests, enjoying the, the view from the car at times. Uh, other than that, um, did some card playing with Final Fantasy cards. Man, that's a lot of Final Fantasy going yeah. on. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> It's a good time um, to be a Final Fantasy fan. There's a lot going on. So And Lance just got me into Polytopia. <laughs> <laughs> Very fun game. Also, Lance just, and I mean just, got me into Polytopia like 20 minutes ago. Like 20 minutes. And I've been, we've been struggling to keep his attention on, hey, we ready to record, Matt? One second. And I don't even <laughs> think he said one second. He was just like, he's in the zone. I just, <laughs> mm, <laughs> nod. So, what about you, Lance? Oh, um, well, uh, we're, we've, uh, we did a bunch of gaming at GreenCon, but we're going to talk about that in a yeah. little bit. Um, but also Final Fantasy for me. I have now, 
personally, I just got a new job, a new promotion, and my life has been insane. Um, trying to catch up, there's a lot of reasons for that, but I've been working basically 14-hour days for the last two weeks. So um, you're, we've been, a, you're a badass, man. Yeah. And, and congratulations. Oh, thanks, thanks. But Well-deserved. Well, yeah, and so I need to keep that job and, and all the perks that comes with it by learning it and doing well, but uh, it's been awesome. Um, I love the team I'm working with, but it just means I haven't had a ton of time to do much. Uh, Polytopia is always going on in background for me, but um, Final Fantasy uh, VIII Remake uh, Remaster um, is something else I also downloaded day one. Um, you know, played five minutes of it. I think really all combined, I think I've played a total of 10 minutes of the game. I haven't been able to do much, but I, I told my wife the day it was like available, like, no, tonight I'm going to play for like, you know, at least five minutes, you know, so I, <laughs> I did, but that's, that's about it for me. What about you, Matt? Yeah. So like you said, uh, the weeks leading up to Grand Con, I was busy with getting all that stuff organized. So I wasn't playing nearly as many games as I normally do. We were able to get in a game of Outer Rim and at mm. Grand Con, which was awesome. Again, we'll talk a little more about that later. Right now, my uh, one of the games I wanted to talk about was another mobile game that uh, I've picked up recently, and it's really entertaining. It's called Archero, and it's this really simple game where you, you take on uh, this archer, this hero, and at the beginning of every game, every time you start, you are randomly, it randomly generates three abilities that you can pick. You pick one of those. Mm-hmm. There's probably 30 different abilities in the game that you can collect, th- you know, as you're playing through. So you start with an ability, let's say it makes your arrows be on fire. Right. So then you go in and it's a, a randomly generated world. You know, you go through multiple levels. Each level has a variety of different traps or uh, monsters or things that you need to fight as you're going through and as you level up you it'll pull up another random three abilities you pick one of those you level up again you pick another one of those you run into a a little ghost that gives you a free ability so by the time you get to level seven or eight you've got maybe 10 different abilities that are can you that you are now very specific in what you can do so now instead of just throwing out an arrow you're throwing out two in the front one out of each side they bounce off the walls they're on fire nice you've got like a Interesting energy yeah. beam that's spinning around you, and you have a little uh, like winged bat that's also flying around with you and shooting stuff. <laughs> you know what? That reminds me of those old uh, ar- arcade games where you would blow things up and get the little circle. Oh and yeah, you got two, yeah. two ships tied, and you got yeah. four la- lasers and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 like the B fifty two bomber yeah, that's yeah, shooting exactly. out lasers constantly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, same kind of yeah. concept, yeah. and it's really good. So you you know there's Sounds there's fun. bosses you fight. Um, you can you can upgrade your own personal abilities. You can get gear. You can customize stuff. Can you play multiplayer? No, no. At okay. least not yet. I don't know how long the game's been out. I've been playing it for a couple of weeks. They just introduced uh, like a, a new mode where you can go back through old levels with upgraded uh, enemies hmm. and stuff that you fight. It's a ton of fun. I'm gonna check that out for sure. Yeah, and it's interesting too because as you're playing, you might not like you might start and you might get a bad couple rolls on your abilities early on, and you like essentially know oh, this is just a throwaway run because i right. don't have the abilities i need to like really do a lot of damage it's a lot of fun i've been hmm. having, i've had a good time with it hey Matt, what was that game we played at grand con uh the one where we, we had to grab objects from them all yeah Ma- magic maze magic maze wow yeah. that got the i got the heart pumping yeah, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in a little bit okay. in, our, in our new section but um so let's let's move on to the new section then what well, one other quick thing about oh, gaming sorry. borderlands 3 comes out in less than a week <laughs> so matt matt it's a good thing we're not recording in the next like three weeks because right. 
Nope. Matt, wouldn't, that Matt's wouldn't be social thing. media is going to go dark for a couple weeks, to, guys. Just FYI. <laughs> yep. I bought the second one. Uh, I've kind of gotten to it, but it seems like such a vast game because oh, I got it with huge. all the expansions. So yeah. I've been I'm like, wow. Yeah. 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 yeah there's, there's a lot, especially the, the DLC. There's tons of that too. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's pretty significant the amount they put into the different packs. So it's going to be cool. Send me a message on Twitter if you play and we can uh, connect up once it gets out. Okay. So announcements and news. This is a part of the show where we keep you up to date on Woofrup and related news. So we got a lot to talk about. Want to get us started off here, Steve? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, the awesome folks over at Encounter Roleplay uh, did play the Night of Blood. Check out their Twitch feed or YouTube channel and give it a watch. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah, they they play a lot of different systems, which is really uh, fun. It's cool to see the different stuff they do, and they yeah. So they ran Night of Blood. There's only one episode up of it now, but there's going to be episode two. I think is going to be here before too long. Oh, nice. Yeah, and uh, GM by Charlotte, which is, she's uh, Foxy Fry on the Discord, the Warhammer Discord, so. Pretty sure it's Fire. Foxy F- Fire? F-Y-R-E, yeah. Fry? Foxy Fire? Fryer? You know what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm done. Why. I'm just not going to pronounce anything <laughs> anymore. So, Charlotte, I apologize. Uh, don't forget to throw, that there was a Warhammer Wednesday. Uh, just a reminder, there's free products available for download, including uh, Night of Blood that we just mentioned, uh, Wolfrup Uber's Reich Adventures, If Looks Could Kill, Adventures Afoot in the Reichland, and Wolfrup 4th Edition Starter Set Character Pack. Yeah, so, and uh, there's a chance that we might actually run If Looks Could Kill for our patrons here coming up uh, in a couple months. So, um, no promises. But uh, I think that's on the docket. So, Yeah, and who doesn't like free stuff? So go right. check those out right. for sure. Well, last week there was uh, a bit of news that really kind of sent a shockwave through the Woofrup community <sighs> uh, that we were not, nobody was expecting. Hmm. But it was on September 3rd, early-ish in the morning, at least where we live. Uh, I saw a tweet that was about uh, Cubicle 7 kind of trying to fan the flames a little bit of... Probably... Um, Put the flames out. Or put the flames yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Andy Law suddenly resigned from Cubicle 7, and Cubicle 7 tweeted a response to our friend at painting 71 They said, hey, everyone, no need to panic. Work continues, and Wolfrop co-designer Dom McDowell is heading up the team again, ably assisted by legendary Graham Davis, assistant producer Ben Sherry, and amazing artists, writers, and designers. Okay, so this was... So I got this. I, I was in my new job, and a text came through like three times from you that was just the same thing. Like, Andy Law resigned. Andy Law resigned. I'm like, yeah. I looked With at like it. I'm a like, shocked emoji. Yeah. I'm sitting there. I'm like, dude, the second I can get out of here, I got to go figure out what's going on. So I was just, I couldn't believe it. So, and this is right after Gen Con. We just, yeah, because we spent. We spent Steve, you and I spent a good like twenty minutes. Yeah, I know, just, just hanging out with Andy, and, talking right? to him, and, and, and his excitement for what was uh, like stuff on the fe- the horizon, and just his love of the the universe was really you right. could feel it. I like mean, he, he was really he was pumped. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and uh, I mean, because I remember like we essentially got done with our Gen Con review episode and be like, hey, Warhammer's in good hands, guys. Yeah, like, and then all of a sudden, two weeks later, he's like, he's gone. Yeah. And I'm like, I couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. And it seemed very sudden to me. 
obviously we don't want to spread rumors or anything like that. I mean, what we know for sure is that they posted a position like a couple days before he announced that he had resigned. And the official response from Cubicle 7 was sort of in their next Warhammer Wednesday, which do yeah. we have notes on that? Yeah, it came out and the next day, and essentially it was um, the Cubicle 7 CEO, Wolfram 4th Edition co-designer Dominic McDowell, just talked about the product uh, projects and products that were that were right. Right, and and they and they reiterated that he was taking the helm and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, we talked to Dom too. Dom is awesome. Um, yeah, I I, no, I, I love no, Dom. I have no doubt that he's going to take good care of this this IP and this product. Um, both from the point of view is he's the man in charge of the boat, but also from the point of view that he has a deep love of Warhammer. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, Dom is, is, is awesome. And I'm curious to see, I mean, I definitely get the sense that it's going to be temporary. They're going to find somebody else to Dom has a company to run. Right. And, uh, so I'm curious, my biggest fear in all this, well, first off, I want to straight up say like Andy, dude, Hats off. I salute you. Uh, what you've already done for, for Warhammer roleplay, yeah. the any that you guys got, that stuff was well-deserved. I'm very sorry to see you go. I have no idea what the details were surrounding all of this, but I hope that everything remains good between Cubicle 7 and you and that maybe in the future we can continue to see your influence in this game that we love so so much. So whoever is going to fill your shoes has some really big shoes to fill. Yeah. And wherever you end up as well is going to, you know, they're going to have an asset with you that they wouldn't have otherwise. Right. Right. So, and so my biggest, so like I was going to say, my biggest fear here is what is this going to do to the release schedule? Like, and so cubicle seven has done a much better job in the last year with communication and with hitting deadlines, um, or at least being careful that they don't set a deadline they can't hit. Right. Um, but I'm curious, right? So one of the things we walked away from Gen Con is we were expecting the PDF for the Enemy in Shadows like within a couple weeks. Basically, that was now they didn't commit to it, but that was the impression yeah, we got. They, they gave a pretty strong impression that that was going to be the case. Yeah. Essentially, they said without saying that by the end of August, which obviously at this point right. is coming gone. Right. So I'm assuming something must have happened shortly after. Um, and I would expect if you have the guy in charge of the line um, leave, and if it's not super expected, then sure, there's going to be some delays. Mm-hmm. I'm just hoping that Dominic can get first off dominic if you listen to this which who knows if he does but if you do and i know you're going to do this but get the right person in there man don't rush to fill the position i'd rather have somebody that's going to give us awesomeness than us start to get you know problems with products which i've never seen a cubicle seven product ever that wasn't beautiful and amazing so i'm not really worried about that but i don't know i have a deep love and passion for warhammer and 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 another thing too man for map consistency, please reach out to Andy to do the maps <laughs> at the very least, or get somebody that at that level. Um, I cannot wait to to see more maps and more everything. Um, it would be pretty jarring to go from like a style change between what we've already got and what we are looking forward to. Right, goes to show how big of an impact one person can have. Right, right. I mean, obviously we're all we're just speculating at this point. The details right. aren't really out. We don't. And don't know for sure all the different things that transpired, but 
at the end of the day, knowing that the people that they still have in place and knowing the company as a whole, I really, I don't have much fear that, you know, things are going to start trending downward. I think we're going to continue to get awesome products. But like you said, there might be that this might delay things a little bit. Right. And trust me, Games Workshop is not the sort of company that you have an IP from that will accept excuses of we lost our, you know, the guy in charge for very long. (laughs) So I'm sure they have a really good relationship, but they're also not going to want to see a giant delay. Um, They don't. So anyway, um, the fact that the Warhammer Wednesday they went. And so so let's talk a little bit about that. So, I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I just, it's, it was just a, it's huge news. And so <laughs> fast after Gen Con and, and Andy, Hey, I wish you the best of luck. Whoever gets you is going to be, uh, they got the right guy. Um, cause like I told him personally before, just his detail and his passion, um, are hard to find. Yeah. You know, it, it really shows in his work. So, uh, but definitely, uh, Warhammer Wolfrup is in good hands still, of course. Um, they've already got the, you know, the core stuff out. So, that's done and come, so I look forward to their future works. Um, but you will be missed. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Warhammer Wednesday. So the last Warhammer Wednesday, we just talked about a little bit. Uh, Dominic McDowell basically talked about, hey, here are the things coming out. I'm going to go through the list real quick, and then we're going to talk about one of these because something's new, right? The Enemy Within Director's Cut, the five-volume set. The Enemy Within Companions, one each for each uh, Enemy Within campaign book, which we knew. Warhammer, uh, the Wolfrup Game Master's Guide and GM screen. I'm probably on, yes. at this table the most anticipated release, really. Um, and uh, the Wolfrup Compendium Volume 1, we're going to come back to that. Um, Middenheim, City of the White Wolf, which we knew uh, was coming. Altdorf, City of Sigmar, again, we also knew that was coming. Um, and then loads of Old World Adventures and Uber's Reich Adventures PDFs, which, again, we've been hearing constantly that there's going to be a bunch more of those. So let's uh, rewind a little bit. Wolfrup Compendium Volume 1. What do we know? Now, the Compendium, I think it's interesting because the One Ring did like a player sort of compendium in their line, in the first edition line, which was really cool. And what it included was several different, um, f- essentially their equivalent of careers that they had, plus a bunch of new options, plus a bunch of new rules. So kind of think about like how in Rough Nights and Hard Days, we got two appendixes that had extra player options and rules, right? We'll think about that except way more. So I wonder if that's going to be the same concept, right? So if we'll get a compendium, that will maybe fill in some gaps, like maybe some additional Reichling careers or maybe some careers that are going to be like maybe outside of any of their planned books for a while or something or something to give us a taste. Because if you remember, Andy Law did talk about at uh, Gen Con how they were going to be releasing little things as PDFs as they go along as as almost like previews to rule sets that are going to be coming on later. And one of the things about that was like we were because uh, I was essentially at that point I think I was begging him for runesmith rules but um maybe it's something like that maybe they've decided instead uh to put something together I mean we're this is complete guesswork here at this point but based on my experience about what has been put out in the past and other lines by cubicle seven I would be surprised if a compendium didn't include a couple of careers and several optional rules that's 
that's what I would assume at a bare minimum it's going to have. Which at this point, because there hasn't been really any other information released on it, we're we're just going off of what we know about Cubicle 7. Right, right. This is all conjecture and guessing, so don't hold us to this. Yeah. Yeah. We know nothing. <laughs> now, let me give you the 20-bullet point list of what I think it is. <laughs> Here's <laughs> my guess be. list. <laughs> so for Lance, it's a wish list. Right. It really is wish list. It's going to have RuneSmith rules, <laughs> <Right exactly>. and <laughs> then I'm going to stop GMing, and I'm going to be a player at that point. <laughs> so... Uh, Moving uh, on. Uh, yeah, wait, wait. actually, I was going to say, you can find this and more at... Okay, go, go for it. You can find this and more online at www.cubicle7games.com. All right, moving on. Garblag Games. Uh, our friends over at Garblag Games have released Flint and Steel Season 3. Be sure to check that out. Uh, they are using Wolfrup 4th Edition and using the Uber's Reich background from the starter set. Uh, episodes 1 and 2 have been released. Yeah, it's actually some really good stuff. I've uh, watched, I haven't got all the way caught up. I started their episode two, but um, as always, those guys are just They do stellar. great work. They do yeah. great work. This morning, I was listening to the Fractured Empire, which is the Star oh, yeah. Wars that they were running. Yeah, they just started that, too. Yeah. Um, is that pretty good? I yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Are they yeah. running their own, or are they running like a beginner game or something? I think it was, because I was listening to that as I was getting around this morning, so mm. I don't, I'm pretty sure it's... Just uh, their own. Yeah, thing. it wasn't anything that I recognized. Okay, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah, it, it's uh, Garblay Games. Pete over there. We have a good relationship with Pete, and uh, they're just they're awesome. And I, I know the thing I look forward to every time I plug in Flint and Steel is uh, Bagrick. Mm. And so, and by the way, Pete, if you're listening, buddy, I need you to put those port those over to podcasts so I can listen to them in the car. It's, it's super hard for me to listen to them on <laughs> to watch them on video, but I can. I can do the podcast. So, wink, wink, buddy. Um, anyway, it's awesome. Go over to YouTube. Check it out. Garblag Games. All right. In other news, the convention season, at least for us, is pretty much wrapped up at this point. Grand Con was last weekend at the time of this recording, and it was a blast. It was really awesome. So, Lance, you and Steve, it was your first time coming out to Grand Con. What did you guys think? I had a great time. Um, I absolutely loved. There are so many games to try and play, and me not being able to play many board games because I don't have you know people around. It, it was it was nice to see that many players try yeah. things. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So you you've been talking to me for gosh, pro- I could probably now say years about coming to this kind. Oh yeah, yeah. And um and you've always talked about well, there's this game library it has all these games and you can play whatever you want. And it's like okay, whatever, that's cool. You know, I guess. And but when you actually get there, it's like it's just it's simple. You just walk in. You're like, oh, I've been meaning to try that game. I've sounded it's interesting. You take it. They scan it. You take it to the table and you try it. Yeah. And we yeah. tried. We played. Uh, you were talking earlier, Steve. Uh, Maze. Uh, Magic Maze. Yeah. And and then Matt walked up like, and he's. I think you were working at the time, or maybe you were just getting done. You were like, oh, I can join you guys. And it was like, it was just so cool. Like I, that experience. I went out to Amazon and bought that game the next day. Nice. So, in fact, I wanted to play it that night. So I called several game stores in the area to see if they had it. Nobody had it in. So I was so I ended up ordering online. Um, so support your local gaming store. But um, <laughs> by not buying on Amazon. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> by not buying on Amazon. But to be fair, I called like four stores in the yeah, area. You None your, of them had it. Yeah, you did your due diligence. So. So yeah, that, that's always been what I've liked most about that convention is that it's not as much about like seeing all the hot new games, having tons and tons of you know publishers and 
designers that are there, which we do have that too, but it's more about the community and just sitting down and playing games. I played probably 25 games over the course of the weekend. A bunch of games that were new to me that I'd never played before that I fell in love with. Some I played I didn't like, but that's that's one of the real right, purposes, so right? At so least you, you can, didn't buy that and then like, man, I don't like this game. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. No, I actually ended up buying, we demoed, uh, and I've always been interested, like, what is this? Rock, paper, wizard. And... Steve and I demoed that, and I'm like, this is a cool little game where I could play with my cousins. It's you know more fun hand gesture thing, so gesture thing. So I uh, I picked that up as well when I was there, and plus they had a promo. That was really the man. Promos is how you get people because yeah, because if you tell me like, oh, we have this game for sale, and I think, nah, I could pick it up later. I probably get a discount. Oh, there's a promo here. Oh, all right, I'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> and it just has a rock paper. Wizards does not work well with two player. In fact, it's meant for three players. So if you try it, it's just not going to go very, very far. But yeah, I I feel that game will get better with players. The more players you add, the better it is because you just don't know who's going to get who and all that stuff. So counter spells, counter spells. Yeah, it's I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to get that out with like four or five players. I think so. And uh, another thing, it was nice with the Grand Con was that with Gen Con is so big, but it seemed like there was a lot of older. Adults are, you know, just kind of that feel. I, you know, I'm not gonna say old, old, but you know, just kind of not kids. Um, with GrandCon, it was nice uh, to see, like, it was family. Yeah, lots of kids. Uh, you know, get get them in early. Wink, wink. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's, but uh, it, which was, you, you'll, it was it was it was nice. It was it was a mixture of kids and adults. It was yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, definitely family oriented. Yeah, yeah, and we got the three of us got to sit down and play Outer Rim. That was awesome. Was I cool. wish that we didn't good. get to finish it, but it was it was like a it was a good game. I was excited. I'm I'm curious to see what I got to play Lando. It was awesome. I was Bosch. So yeah, it was good. Yeah. So yeah, uh, right now it's still tentatively planned for that to be uh, over Labor Day weekend again next year. Tentative dates I think are the fourth, fifth, and sixth. So yeah. we'll see. But yeah, it was a good time. Definitely look forward to that one every year. Awesome. So the only other real big convention. Like the the last you know huge convention of the year is going to be Essen, which there will likely be some uh, releases and some news coming out of that, which we'll cover. But for us, our convention season has come to an end until next year when uh, Origins kicks off. Anyway, uh, so let's we're going to move on to the main topic here at this point, uh, where we're going to lose Steve for a little bit, but he'll join us later. Uh, in tonight's episode, we once again jump into review our fourth edition careers. So we actually have two careers that we're going to go over today, uh, the Bailiff and the Slayer. So as we like to do at the end of the episode, we're going to build some characters or go through. We've already built the characters and we're going to have a little career competition, figure out who has the coolest uh, character. And then we'll let you old worlders decide. We'll post it on Twitter, Facebook. We'll uh, let you guys uh, let us know who you think did the coolest character. So uh, let's let's do it. Let's move on. Now, which one do we want to do first? Uh, I'll go first. All right. So I'm going to be reviewing the bailiff today. And the bailiff is a peasant. That is the um, class that you'll find the bailiff in. And I find that in our culture, in I say our in American culture. The really the only time you ever think about a bailiff is when you imagine like a courtroom or a uh, a setting similar to that. Uh, you know, I remember watching Judge Judy growing up as a kid, and there was like the same bailiff who was always on there that she'd talk right. about, and she'd like have him go and restrain people or whatever. 
Well, the bailiffs in the old world, and I, the more traditional uh, version of the bailiff is somebody who is trusted by local rulers to administer their lands efficiently and firmly. And and if you're following along at home, it's on page 77 of your core rule book. Yes, indeed, page 77. So the the bailiff is the you know somebody who goes out and collects taxes and enforces different situations that might be going on uh, in people's property and things like that. Which, in my head, I immediately jumped to how fun it would be to have a a real wicked criminal that's going out and doing this. Because, of course, right. if you're going out collecting money from people, well, a certain amount of that money goes to where it's supposed to go, and a certain amount of that money goes in my pocket. Right. Which ties into some of the skills and things that you that you can start with. So some of the basic information about a bailiff, uh, Lance, like you already said, it's on page 77. Bailiff can be played as the different races you can use are dwarf, halfling, and human. But wait. But wait. There is more. Uh, you can also be a gnomish bailiff, which I may or may not have created. We'll get to that later. Yeah, so a gnome oh, can, no, can... Oh, oh, gnome, you didn't. We're gonna. We just lost twenty listeners right there. At least tw- <laughs> twenty. I'm thinking twenty percent. <laughs> Goodness. Um. So those are the different races you could be. <clears throat> the advanced scheme you start out with weapon skill, um, initiative, and willpower, which is a pretty good combination. I like willpower being on there, which makes a lot of sense for some of the skills and talents. But weapon skill is a huge one. Obviously, anytime you have weapon skill or ballistic skill right out of the gates, that you know gives you a pretty mm-hmm. good place to start as far as building a character. Well, and the, and the way this character like progresses too is really interesting. True. Yeah, we'll get to that as we progress uh, throughout. But this this career is one that doesn't have one role that it fits. Right. And every career tier, there's something else and sometimes significant changes between them as far as what role they could they could play in a game. So you start out as a tax collector, which uh, status level at that um, level or that tier is silver one, which is pretty high to start. Yeah. And even throughout this, and I, I haven't looked, I didn't uh, go back and review all of the different careers, but going from silver one up to gold three, that's a pretty big jump from start to finish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interestingly and, and, enough, the page that's open here on the other side of the page is the warden. And they also go from silver one to gold three, but it's not super well, common necessarily to have that big of a jump. Right. But the big jump I think is when you go from the first tier to the second tier, right? So from silver one to silver five, that's true. Like, dang, I, I need to get my hundred XP spent as quick as possible so that right. when I do an income endeavor, it's five times as likely to give me more, well, at least five times, right? Because there's some some fun uh, fun things you can do within that. So the um, the skills are a lot of things you come to expect in with somebody a character like this. So gossip, haggle are both on there. Perception, intimidation, all of those would fit with a character that's going up to somebody on somebody's property and requesting money from them. The talents I found to be very interesting, actually. So embezzle makes a lot of sense. And of course, if you're going to have a criminal character at all, then uh, embezzling money seems like a great way to start off on a a path down the the dark side, if you will. Right. And the mechanics for the embezzle talent are like 
really interesting. They are. Like an opposed test against like whatever stats of like who your employer is. Right. Like to find out like if you can get away with it or not. Like, man, that's a test that you're spending fortune on to make sure you pass. Well, it's, it's interesting too. It's not necessarily just a, like if you fail, it's not guaranteed that the, the, you know, the person you're stealing from finds out that you're stealing. Right. You're just not able to steal. You have to have a significantly bad, you know, fail in order for them to find out. Which, when that happens, right, that could be a whole adventure a whole in adventure. and of itself. Yeah. But uh, the the second talent that's, that's listed on here is one that I find to be it's very interesting and it seems ultra specific. It is uh, numismatics, which is essentially the ability to uh, identify the value of coins, right, right? or like you know other such things. And at least in my experience playing, that isn't something that has came up very often, but it sure could be. I mean, the more you're dealing with money, the more you're going to have to know right. what uh, whether something's legitimate or not. Lance, that, you might be able to speak to this, is like how prevalent is counterfeiting in the, the Warhammer world? Oh, all over the place. Sure. All over the place. Everybody tries to skim. Just like anytime you go to the market, like GMs, you really shouldn't just be letting your players buy normal equipment. Yeah, they should be finding out later on. Oh, you, that's actually a shoddy piece of equipment that you just bought. <laughs> yeah, your um, sword breaks in half the first right. time you hit. Yeah, there's there's even a part in the core rule book talking about shaving, which you shave the edge of coins yeah, off to get the right. gold and meld it down. Um, and uh, and actually that uh, numismatic or whatever. N- yeah, numismatics. That that actually helps with forgery checks too. So okay. So that's uh, I, I definitely think it's so. Here's here's the thing: if your players are going to be dealing with large sums of money or whatever, it's like you got to play to your players, right? Right. So, so if I know that, I know you you went through the trouble to buy that talent. I better give you an opportunity to use it. Yeah. You know, so for sure. So yeah, at this first level, again, you start out with weapon skill, um, and you do start with a hand weapon. So your ability to be a fighter in the early stages is is there right out of the gates, right? Once you hit that second level, you then gain the ability to pick up fellowship, which is where our first big deviation in the character kind of begins. Once you get fellowship, I mean, fellowship is the skill that you need or the uh, characteristic you need in order to be a good face character. That's where all of your um, checks are going to come in, like uh, gossip, haggle, leadership, and, uh, you know, charm, bribery, all of which are things that you're going to use if you were a bailiff. So at this point in the career, you're going to have uh, the trappings that you need are a leather jack and three tax collectors. So essentially, once you hit that second tier, you already have people that are working underneath you. Right. And it, it you know, again, is building up to this, you know, you could, you could go the criminal route, you could not go the criminal route. But again, if you were, this is a good place to start. That's because at the second level, you... The, the first two talents you can get at this point are break and enter, which, again, <laughs> super fun. Right. A lot of interesting things, things can come from that. And this is where you can pick up that criminal talent. Plus public, public speaking, too. Like, it's right. a very interesting combination of talents. Yep. Yep. So public speaking is on there, which, again, you know, ties into leadership. And the skills at this level as well, bribery, charm, evaluate, leadership, those, those all lead to you becoming a leader, somebody who, you know, has a, the confidence and ability to go into situations and, and argue your way out of them potentially. 
Yeah. So again, this is where the, if you wanted to really go deep on the criminal side of things, this is where a good place to start. Right. So the jump from Bailiff up to the tier three, which is Reeve, you go up to gold one, and this is where you can start doing things with animals, which is a lot of fun as well. Of course, animal care is on there. Lore heraldry are the, some of the skills riding a horse is a skill you can get at this level and trappings, of course, a horse with saddle and tack, a breastplate and a bailiff. So again, it's still, you're working up that it almost kind of reminds me of like a pyramid scheme in a sense (laughs) that like you start out at the bottom level and you're only, you know, making little bits here and there. Well, once you move up and get people working under you, well, now you've, you're making a lot more and so on and so forth. It's also interesting that at this level, you can pick up the kingpin talent, which, which essentially It's like negates. your second favorite talent, yeah. right? Well, I mean, if you're going to be a criminal <laughs> right. and you're going to like really push it, then becoming a kingpin essentially gives you all the benefits of that without all of the, the negative side. Right. Or, or you know, it, it tweaks that, that talent to, to make it more, to make you more of a kingpin, right? You can also pick up menacing knows for trouble. And this is where you can learn how to read and write. Right. So that's great. Tier three. That's right. Tier three also gives you, lets you start building up agility, which is going to be helpful with, um, riding obviously. And if if you're going to go the horse route and become a rider, then, uh, agility is going to be a really important characteristic. You finally end on being a magistrate at this level. Uh, like I said before, you are at gold level three, which is, a fair amount of money. The skills you pick up at tier four are language classical and lore law, which is going to make sense. One of the trappings that you need is a law library. In addition, you need quality robes and a seal of office. The talents in this one are commanding presence, iron will savvy and schemer. See, I think this is, this is really, you get to see this massive massive difference between tier one and tier four more than just the status it's you go from essentially an enforcer someone going and getting the money right to someone that essentially like helps deal in a pseudo law enforcement sort of way right um with a bailiff to a reeve who is arguably like in charge of a region and collecting money like it's almost I almost think about it is when you don't have a an area that's so important that you put a noble in charge, the nobles put a reeve in charge. Yes. Right? So that is like you are have power. And then a magistrate is you're now like in the judicial side of things, right? Yeah. Like you have power that's like almost separate. The, it, it's almost not – how do I say this? It almost seems like it's not a specific progression, right? Like – a tax collector to uh, like, it almost seems like you're not going straight up a ladder. You're kind of jumping to the side a little bit. Sure. Like the jobs are a little different. And um, it's so interesting because the talents can all work together sort of depending on which ones you pick up sure. as you go along. Yeah. So, and you can, you can go hard down the criminal path. You could avoid right. that altogether. Right, uh, you depending could, on what kind of character you want to play. You could go hard leadership and be like the the yeah. no, the noble. Yeah, I mean, it, this yeah. is a way to really like work your way up the local government. Right, right, right. Which is really quite interesting. And you know, once you at the very bottom rung of that, you're knocking on doors collecting money. Well, eventually you get up to the point where you're telling them what doors to knock on, and then right. you get to the point where you're you're just on your steed, overlooking a region, making sure things are going properly, and eventually you're you're 
in charge of a region. It's a really interesting path that you can take. Right. And I think it'd be fun to play oh, in a lot of I different agree. ways. I agree. Because this of would, how versatile it is. Yeah. It, like, if I, I got to tell you, and it's the same thing, like, when we always choose these, like, the when I, before I really dug into the bailiff, I would have, like, rolled that up and it would have, I probably wouldn't have given a whole lot yep. of additional like, thought. Well, I'll roll two more times. Yeah. Well, right. Well, now really it's like, this. yeah. Now I look at it, I'm like, dude, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah, which is something, you know, we've we've gone at length talking about how every time we look into these characters, it's like, oh, well, okay, well, that's cool. That makes sense. Right. Yeah, now that's how I'd want to play as it. So hopefully you out there listening are, are getting some good information from these, are, are being informative so that when you roll up a bailiff, you don't just decide to roll off of it. Right. So, and in fact, um, we've had people, you had somebody who decided to actually play as an artist after you did the artist episode. Right. And they reached out about how... They may not have picked it if it wasn't for that. Right, right. Anyways, that's just a side note. But. The, the artist is a very, yeah, go listen to our artist episode. I, I talk at length of a lot of different ways that you could play that. But the bailiff, in a lot of ways, is way more versatile than an yeah. artist. Oh, for sure. Like, an artist you could have fun with, but the the bailiff, like, it's not hard to find fun ways to do the yep. the bailiff. Yeah, and you can, you can fit in in a lot of different ways. Right. So we'll get right to that. So at tier one... The the really the the primary role that I think you're going to fit at that level is going to be a fighter, and that's primarily because you start out with weapon skill, right? And and, and initiative, right? And to an extent, I I agree. Like, what is the primary role of a tax collector? Like, if I were to choose one, it would be fighter. I almost would argue that even fighter is a secondary role. Like this this character as a tax collector doesn't particularly shine through super strong in any one area like their That's talents true. like they don't have a lot of fighter talents right or basically yeah yeah tenacious right they have maybe their talents are more kind of support right like build yep. the money or whatever you it, could it's be it's not until you hit that second tier right. that it really becomes clear yeah i that, agree that getting fellowship and not only getting fellowship but having mm-hmm. the skills to back it up and the talents to back it up at that point mean that you could easily be the face. Right. Right. Come right out as the face at that point and be strong in that position. Right. And the thing is, is that tier one, it's not that I don't think like if you don't already have a fighter in the group, the ba- the tax collector, the through the bailiff, the bailiff could step up and fill yeah. that role. Absolutely. Yep. But um yeah. I and but I think where it really starts to shine, where things start to get like really good is that tier two. Yep. And that really so you know, at tier two, face fighter are both options. Overall support is going to be an option as well. Absolutely. Tier three, I believe you could really become a scout at that point. Part of that is being able to ride, cover larger distances at, at once. But the face, being the face of the of the crew, being a support character, being a a secondary fighter, that's that seems like that's where the the bailiff is going to shine. Yeah, I I definitely. I agree. The, the The face is so like, and you could go so many ways with it. Cause like you said before, gossip, haggle, charm, leadership, intimidate, intimidate, boom, all right there. Now intimidates based on strength, but all those other ones are based on fellowship, right. which you can get right at your second tier. And then add that with willpower. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of situations that you're not going to be able to like handle from a face. If you want to be the right. character's, like the team's face or the party's face, like tier two, well, and, you got that locked down. And think, 
think as well about how status can function into that as well. Right. So being even at tier two, being at silver five, that is going to, you know, end up coming into play in a lot of different places throughout the game. I agree. No doubt. Yeah. So the, as far as how you would fit this into an adventuring party, some of the, the, just thinking about other references of characters that are kind of like this in pop culture. Mm-hmm. One of the ones that really stuck out to me, and this is kind of a, a very specific one that hopefully a lot of our listeners are aware of. I immediately thought of Badger from Firefly well, or Serenity, oh, yeah. both. That he is like this kind of middling crime boss. He's got some people that kind of work for him, but he's not up to that level. He he struck me as like either a bailiff or a or a reeve. Right. Hadn't quite hit that point yet of being up to like a magister, but right. somebody who, you know, obviously it, it, in that character is on the criminal side of things. Yeah, no, and, and if you're going to be like in a, if you roll up a bunch of rogue characters or whatever, the bailiff would fit in absolutely just fine. Um, I actually, I said, like, it's even just being you, you have been sent by your, whoever's in charge of you to settle a dispute. Sure. Right. And and you're the tax collector. You're the the bailiff or whatever. Right. You might be sent along with other people to deal with it. That could be one way you could fit into a party. Right. The so I also put on here that when you when you're starting out, you almost feel like a hired goon. Right. At that point, you're right. You you, again, we mentioned that at tier one, you're not you're you're not really a master of anything. That you, you know, you have that kind of feeling of Mm -hmm. like. Well, okay, boss, I'll go take care of it for you, you know. Right. And then you go maybe beat somebody up for money right, that you owed or whatever. Right. Like, I, I almost, so I see this as you're not necessarily the guy that's going to kick down the door to get the gold. You're the guy that goes with the people to kick down the door, and right. you're the one that collects the gold yeah, because. You, you wait outside right. with your gloves on. Right. <laughs> and you just wait, wait for your, your right. cohorts to come out with the money. Yeah, it was just uh, so some very interesting, right? Some other ideas I had to um, hired to govern or keep order in a small area, like depending on what your the rest of your party was, um, that could work out really well. If you have a bunch of academics and stuff, that could be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, even something as simple as to get your party together, like an escort to a trial, right? Like a, a bailiff or a reaver, you know, eventually magistrate. Like those all make sense for for things like that. So I, I think there's a lot of ways that you could fit a bailiff into any party. Yep. Yeah. And it, depending too on the region, right. The fact that they do have some involvement in the government of the area means that if you were, uh, you know, in an area that wasn't really, uh, shady when mm-hmm. it comes to like the governing and things that that's going to influence how, how the character is going to play out and like the tasks that they're, they're, uh, requested to go and, and take care of. So as far as how this would work with other careers, so there's there's a lot of careers that this work really good with. Really, anything that that focuses heavy on fellowship, oh, or has fellowship, hundred percent, yeah. You know, having access to all of those talents, specifically talents and skills that are super specific to things like uh, merchant, for example, right? Uh, haggling, gossip, evaluate. Those are all things that would tie in directly to that. Right. The lawyer even the was lawyer. one that kind of stood out because having right. having that, again, those those skills are going to be really important. Potentially even like a noble could, sure. could give, you, like, give you the additional access to the money and the talents to go along with that, depending on the situation. Obviously, you don't often in Warhammer jump to the noble career. Right. But, but if you 
Right. If you've earned it, right? Mm-hmm. No, nobles become nobles somehow. Not, right. Not every house, famous, you know, uh, house can continue its reign. Sometimes you've got to fight right. your way up and earn it yourself. And this is a kind of career that really could do that. So some of the ones, I also put down Outlaw. And this is like outlaw, fresh on my outlaw mind because makes, Outlaw yeah. is, is, you know, the one that, career that I with the, With the criminal. Time. And getting Kingpin at tier three instead yeah. of four can make a big difference. Like I could even potentially see you jumping into this career just to get Kingpin. Sure. Because along the way, there's a lot of other things you can grab. But I could see Kingpin being like your goal. Right. And it's easier to get here than it would be in... Well, and another way, you know, you as you start as an outlaw with criminal being on tier one, I believe, right? And having this at tier two means that you're able to, you know, depending on when you mm-hmm. made that jump between the two, that you could you could really. I am, am I a criminal? Yes, absolutely. You I are. feel like it's the <laughs> only thing I seem to care about. But it's it's a very it's a very fascinating. I, I take archetype. a look at every game I've ever played with you in Star Wars, and yes, you are a, cr- a criminal. Proofs in the pudding, I suppose. I, I suppose. Though, I, all right, so the things I would say, badge, pretty much any range career, any career that's focused on range. Yeah, because you never you never touch dexterity, you never touch ballistic skill. Ballistic skill. Yeah. The other ones that, that stood out for me were really anything mystical or magical, so like a wizard, a hedge witch. Right, because you have access to the willpower, but you really need the intelligence. Right. And, and you don't have uh, a build... Well, well, and even then, right. like the the talents, right? The the talents don't necessarily line up with with something that would work out well. For right, right. And you can get intelligence on the bailiff, but not till tier four. And if right. your real go- real goal is to cast magic, like you're not in the right career. You're not going to wait yeah, until you, tier four to nope. to go down that path. Not at all. So in review, the bailiff offers a, a significant variety of playstyles. Oh, yes. And he you're kind of a jack of all trades to to begin with and for those first couple levels and then at that point you can really kind of hone in and focus on one you know, one uh one path I guess that you want to take. Yeah, they're the they can one of the big things tier 2 silver 5 I I don't want to over harp on it but you like, could stay there for a long You could time. and yep. and that is good money depending on how you roll it might be better than gold 1 so it, it's just a huge huge uh uh a benefit there and I agree versatile can fill many roles in a pinch your fighter goes down you're you're not going to necessarily be terrible. You, you right. got some stuff. You could you're, right. you're there as backup essentially. Right. If for some crazy reason you're not the party's face, you can step into that role very easily. Right. right? Um, like you said, depending on the tier, um, even filling the role of a scout in a pinch. Like there's there's really a lot that that this this career can do. I, I'm it's really I again I I'm surprised. I I, I'm like yeah. I would not have thought the bailiff would be. Yeah. Like a cool one, but at, as at a did, glance, like, that would be one I'd, I would have considered rolling off of before uh-huh. now. Yeah. When you mentioned uh, the status level, right at level two, you're silver five. You're at silver five before you take into account the the embezzlement talent, the criminal talent, right? The bribery skill. Like, there's a lot of other ways to right. increase that amount of money. Right. You could easily be the the character everybody keeps alive because that's who's financing their armor and yeah. their weapons. Yep. So. So cool. Um, so what type of players do you think would most enjoy playing this career? This one, I wasn't sure which way to go with this. I think that the 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 early tier, you, just about anybody could. 
Right. Right. Because even though you have a lot of the, the characters or the skills that are going to be beneficial, you're not going to have to be in that face role where like being a good communicator or uh, things like that are going to be really important early on. I don't think the, again, having the fighter skill is a, is an easy one to kind of get new players into, but the farther you go up this, this chain, the more confident you're going to have to be in like an understanding of the local lore of the area you're in and the, like the laws that are in the area you're in and whatnot. So see, I think this is a great one for almost anybody to at least start. Like if you roll it up and you keep it and then you decide you want to go somewhere else, you're not going to be sad for whatever you gained in, in your first tier here. Sure. And right. Oh, that's an excellent point. Yeah. So I think the versatility really makes it. And even, even if you're still not sure, it's not going to be all that much experience to jump up to tier two gets your silver five and you know when you really look at what you're bringing to the what things are you been building up to get to that tier well weapon skill initiative and willpower you're not going to be sad you know going to almost any other career if you right. just grabbed what you needed minimum and then decide to move on yep so i i think it's just a for the person that's indecisive almost like hey man just stay in this for for yeah. a couple sessions see what you like and then, because you won't be sad. Uh, that's kind of what I thought. The, I mean, the other thing is, is if you do want to be a face character, this is not a bad character to do it in. Yeah, because you can so, get to, I mean, you can get to tier two fairly quickly. That's right. not going to be one that's going to take forever to try to, to, right. to achieve that. Right. And tier two really gets you most of the bells and whistles you want to, to fill that role. Yeah. So, so yeah. And in summary, final thoughts. You could just play a clip of what I've said after the entertainer or the, the outlaw. It's a really fascinating character that with a lot more depth than I would have thought of, you know, right, right. Just at a glance. Oh, I agree. I agree. hundred percent. I'm probably just end up saying the things I said before, but like if I, now, if I were to roll up this character, I'd be yes, please. And then I would be like, how much XP do I need to get to tier two? Yeah. Well, like, and, and that's where I would stay. One of the cool things that, that we, <laughs> honestly didn't even really touch on that much is at tier two, you also have three tax collectors that work for you. Right. So when I think about our actual play in, um, Wolfer up, Steve is, uh, plays Conrad who has a noble, right. And the noble Heinrich is a character that is so full of character. The servant, servant, the servant. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, uh, that this could have the same kind of effect, right? If oh, you have yeah. three tax collectors, then you not only are you have do you have your bailiff character sheet, but you've got three tax collector sheets that can be a wild ride of different characters that are gonna, you know, have their own unique personalities. And if you play it the way we do, where one person holds the sheet, but other players at the table voice those characters, boy, that could be a that could be just a riotous amount of fun. It would be. And just the adventures to like go get those people, to have them yeah. work on you. That would be yep. a lot of fun, too. Or, or, yeah, right. Send one off or send two of them off. One yep. comes back. Yeah. Now you got to have a search and rescue. Any number awesome. of things. A lot of variety, a lot of fun. Okay. You ready to slay? I'm ready to slay, man. So probably I one... I wish we had the rights to to play any Slayer song. Nice. <laughs> just play Rain and Blood for a few seconds and not get sued by by Slayer. Yeah, that that would be awesome. And it would be appropriate. But very appropriate. <laughs> very appropriate. So here's the thing. Uh so the Slayer, if you're following along at home uh, in your core rulebook, it's page 114. 
And uh, the Slayer is probably one of the most iconic, uh, right up there with the Rat Catcher. Uh, if you're going to drop like the top four characters that people are going to recognize as Warhammer, Rat Catcher, Troll Slayer are definitely in the in that list. So, well, it, yes, that is true. It is also true that out of all of the character or all the careers that we have been, so we, we tabulate votes. Uh, we ask the, our listeners to go on to our social media and tell us what careers you want us to cover next. Well, the Slayer has had the most votes by far. Yeah. Usually every like third or fourth person is like, um, do a Slayer. Right. Why haven't you done a Slayer yet? Yeah. Just a couple of people, like one of our patrons and Andrew Howell, um, and then, uh, Doug justice, just a couple of people I grabbed and I didn't, wasn't able to pull all the names or whatever, but several people have suggested it. Um, so let's get into the career. Uh, so what races are available? Dwarf. That's it. That's all she wrote. And that's all there's ever going to be. A dwarf is a slayer. And that is because what a slayer is. In Warhammer, in dwarf culture, a slayer is someone through uh, the dwarf culture has like an honor bound system, right? So if you commit some grievous sin or some terrible breach of honor, then potentially the only way that you can stop that from like affecting your family or to regain your own personal honor is to follow the path of Grimnir. Grimnir is one of the ancestor gods who originally, uh, you know, eventually died up in the north, but he became a slayer. And so the path of Grimnir is the slayer's path where they'll shave the sides of their heads, uh, dye their mohawk that they have orange and use pig fat to make it all spiky. And then they will go and seek glorious death in battle. And until they succeed, their honor isn't, isn't. So let me explain it this way. Your job as a slayer is to die. And when you die, you regain your honor. So you have to go find the biggest, baddest thing you can go kill. And if you succeed in killing it, then you failed. And in you regaining find, your honor, find something bigger right. and better. You, but you have to try, right? It's that that age old thing. Like you have to go in and actually try your hardest, right? It's not you can't just stand in front of a dragon and let it eat you. You got to try to kill that dragon. And if you kill that dragon, well, I guess you haven't regained your honor yet. Better find something bigger. Amazing. Is is there a more Warhammer? No, like career description ever. No, I'm just so excited. I'm excited I got to do this one. This one yeah. is awesome. So let's take a look at the the advanced scheme. So right off the top, you're looking for your tier one advanced scheme. You have weapon skill, strength, willpower, right? All So combat, the willpower comes into play with, with the dwarves, and they already have high willpower when, when you're you know rolling them up. Uh, at tier two, you get toughness. At tier three, agility, and at tier four, initiative. It is... Um, it, this is a combat career. Yeah, weapon skill, strength, and toughness all in the first two tiers. Yeah. So what what kind of role yeah. are they going to fit? And and here's the kicker: slayers don't wear armor either, right? That's their whole thing. That's they you see slayers often depicted as shirtless. They don't they don't wear armor. They go into battle. Um, so here let's let's get it started. Now, first off, um, all of the tiers have the exact same. You're not going to be in this tier for money. Everything is brass too. All four tiers. All right, so tier one is the Troll Slayer. Uh, and so starting right off, you get Melee Basic, which is your money-making skill. You got Consume Alcohol, Cool, Dodge, Endurance, Gamble, which is interesting, Heal, Heal, 
and lore trolls. Um, so your package of skills right off the bat are things that are all about surviving and being tough. Um, but gamble is an interesting one and heal, man, I'm going to talk more about heal later. Heal yeah. is going to come into play so well, much. We, we know firsthand <laughs> as does anybody who has ever played Warhammer heal is pretty darn important. Right. So, uh, with talents, you get uh, combat talents right here. Dual wielder, fearless, everything, nothing causes you to deal fear. Wow. All right. Frenzy, which frenzy is a crazy rule. It makes you immune to psychology when you fall into frenzy. It gets you plus one strength bonus. So yeah. that's like plus one almost advantage on everything you, yeah. you attack with, right? Or and um and you have to charge in regardless until all the enemies are dead, like in yeah. this bloodlust. It's great. And then Slayer. Slayer is uh, the ability to use your opponent's toughness bonus as your strength bonus if it would be higher. So which is so cool. Well, I'm sure you'll get to this as mm-hmm. we progress through here, but you were given all the tools that you need to just be a badass, <laughs> right? And, and to survive, right? right. Or because at the very least, goal, to kill. The, your whole, yeah, your whole goal is to die an honorable death. Well, this is maybe the only time we'll ever say this, but it might be kind of hard to die as a slayer. <laughs> Believe it or not, in Warhammer, there is a career where it ain't easy. It ain't easy. Oh, man. So, all right, so let's say you fail at your charge and you actually kill that troll. Well, I guess I should talk trappings. You start with an axe, a flask of spirits, shame, which is the thing that's caused you to become a slayer, and tattoos. So you don't start with a whole lot there, Um, but all you need. Uh, So giant slayer. So uh, giant slayer has uh, skills. Evaluate, intimidate, language battle, lore giants, melee for two-handed, and outdoor survival. So one of the things you'll notice is each Slayer level, we have Troll Slayer, Giant Slayer, Dragon Slayer, Demon Slayer. Well, the trappings to get to each one, you need a Troll's head to move from the Troll Slayer to Giant Slayer. You need a Giant's head to move from the Giant Slayer to Dragon Slayer. You need a Dragon's head to move from the Dragon Slayer to a Demon Slayer. That's all you need. That's all you need yeah. right there. That's uh, It is crazy. So again, more combat, language battle, um, lore giants. So you get the lore skills to help you try to track them down and kill them. Um, more melee skills, outdoor survival. And then you get talents like hardy. That's a big one. Yeah. Implacable, menacing, reversal. Um, I won't go into all of these, but you get bonuses to intimidate. You get to ignore wounds from bleeding conditions. Um, take opponent's advantage um, from them and use it instead. Oh, man. And that's just Giant Slayer. Let's move on to the Dragon Slayer. Yep. Tier 3, right? You get entertained storytelling, which, man, that just feels awesome. If you survive that long, you're going to have cool stories to tell anyway. That would be a good role-playing experience there. Uh, lore Dragons, Perception, and Range Throne. So, Which is interesting because you don't get really any ballistic skill or anything that really helps you in that tra- part, but you get the skill here. So... Um, talents include ambidextrous, ambidextrous, can you say that for me? Ambidextrous. Thank you. Um, furious assault, which is one of the few ways you can get an extra attack in this system, um, which is huge, relentless and, uh, robust, which robust is insane. 
Yeah, it's like it's like soak from Star Wars. It, it gives yes. you an, it's like an, a point of armor, basically. Well, and as it, you can get that up to your toughness bonus, right. which toughness you can start building up at that second Huge. level. So you get that up yeah. to four or five, then literally soaking four or five damage on every hit, yeah. which is so you don't need armor. You don't need armor because yeah. you are robust. <laughs> uh, and then trappings include throwing axes here too. So uh, and then our tier four demon slayer, you get intuition and lore chaos, which makes sense. Um, and then talents include Combat Master, which means you count as extra people for outnumbering purposes. Frightening, which now not only do you not fear anything, but you cause fear. And Strike Mighty Blow and Very Strong. So here, let me give you all the tools you need to kill big things. Right. Yeah. Any any other career attempting to fight a dragon is is a dead like. That's a dead career. It's a dead person. Right. Uh, a slayer, they sure as heck could pull it off. They and like could. you said, they're given all the tools they could possibly need to get there. All right. So what roles can this fill? I, all right. Everything, every single one. Fighter. That That is the role. Yep. There's nothing else that you would do with this. Even, even it, as a secondary role, support. And I only say that because you have the heal skill That's and you can point. get the, the outdoor survival skill. But again, your heal skill is based on intelligence, which you cannot build up in this. Um, the outdoor survival is built. So you can heal, but just not very good. No, like you better hope that your intelligence is really high at the That's beginning. True. Or you could put, I mean, you could put experience into the skill itself, which is fine. But, and, and to be fair, it's, I mean, you're you're like that solo. You're the guy that walks into the sunset to go kill the dragon and never returns. It's yep. so cool. When the rest of your party's like, no, let's camp here for the right. night. You're like, nope. Right. So in the core rule book, let's keep going. the artwork. Right. We've said this before. Well, how many it follows times? a story of yeah. of the party, but the primary person is the slayer. And at the very end of the book, there's the slayer facing down a demon while all the rest of the party is running away. Like, if that doesn't make you want to play a Slayer, like, I don't know what is. I know that you have a, an insane knowledge of uh, the pages that these are on. What page is that piece of art on? Oh, uh, I don't know, 359? 342. Oh, okay. But it is a heck of a piece of art. The, uh, the, the use of, like, the cool blue tones. Yeah, the tones and lighting. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. And, and, uh. Yeah. So anyway, um, really, I, I every tier is exactly the same. Primary role fighter, secondary role could be support if you wanted to put experience into some of those support skills, but not very much. Basically, you could be a healer in a pinch. Um, so how might this career fit into an adventuring party or your story hook ideas? Um, you're hunting right? You're, you're looking for adventure. You're a rogue on the outside that all you care about is regaining your honor by dying a glorious death, fighting something big. Please tell me of any Warhammer adventuring party you couldn't fit that into. Yeah. Like even, I don't know, I suppose if you have all academics and lawyers and That's stuff. That's true. If you weren't, yeah, if you weren't a party that, mm -hmm. that was going to be doing any very much combat, then, then this really would not be a right right kind of role for it but no but heck, I, if you if i'm a player and i roll up slayer 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go past it. I'm not no. gonna choose not to take it. No. And even if you have a bunch of academics or whatever, you could be the hired muscle. Eventually they are gonna get ambushed and you could just be hired to, to help them. You know, you're with them long enough to get some money and some food before you go on your big trek into the mountains to go kill stuff. That it could work. So advancing into other careers. Obvious careers with so one of the things is is you're gonna have a huge role playing situation here. You don't really move into other careers with the Slayer unless for some reason it comes out that you're uh, like maybe you were set up right. So the thing that you thought you had a shame of wasn't really your fault, or somebody you know there there are potential where you could get out of it following like normal Warhammer lore. You need to convince your GM. Um, but that would probably be a whole adventure hook or story hook on its own. Um, so leaving this career isn't, isn't something I expect to happen very often, but it's certainly possible. Um, if you did leave this career, pretty much anything warrior related <laughs> would be a good move. Um, anything academic or intelligence based would not be where you would want to go a pretty bad move actually. right yeah, yeah no no face characters don't move from a troll slayer to a face character it's not a good idea um it's just no synergy there although a noble who is a former slayer come on that would be cool um actually the king of Karakadrin is um a slayer king mm. right so he has two oaths the problem is is that the oath the the it gets handed down to every child because um, a king, I don't remember exactly what happened, but he took the Slayer Oath but the, because of something that happened that he messed up on. And the problem is, is he also has an oath as a king of the mountain. And so how both those oaths are, he can't leave because of his oath as a kingship. He can't go seek death, but he can't completely do the kingship because he's also a slayer so he has to basically lead his armies and you know and then he dies and great he but the problem is is that then his child takes on both the slayer oath and the kingship oath and they're forever locked in that situation it's crazy yeah so cool very interesting so all right um what type of player would most enjoy this career um dude anyone that likes to hit stuff with swords yeah, I think it, I think it's a that's a pretty easy one, right? You don't you're not ever really going to need that those like face kind of interactions. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're not super comfortable with with that side of role playing, then this is a good this is a good role. Right. Because knowing how to go up and fight something is a pretty universal. Right. Ability. Right. And new players would probably handle this pretty well. Um you and one thing though, you need to be a player that can handle character death because if you're That's really true. going to play this character, the reality is is why you might be super tough. It is still Warhammer and criticals happen, and you could die. And depending on, like, if you have frenzy, for example, you can't leave. You fight until you're dead or they're dead. And yeah. we all, anyone that plays Warhammer knows that sometimes that is not a good idea. Right. So. So I don't know. Uh, final thoughts. What are you thinking, Matt? Okay, so my final thoughts. I can't think of any possible career that screams Warhammer the same way that this does, that this career does. And that can be physically seen by the number of times throughout this book you can see a slayer in the art. Right. Just, just out of curiosity, I started thumbing through the pages and 
just about every piece of art, every other piece of art had a, had a Slayer in there somewhere. Our boy Gunner. That's right. <laughs> he is alive and well. Alive in and the well. the pages of this book. <laughs> Until the end. <laughs> we don't know what happened to him. That's true. I like to think that he, he killed the demon. Maybe. I like to think. I like I, to think. I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't see a dragon head hanging from his belt, so I was a little worried. <laughs> yeah. So this one, this this would be... This would be a lot of fun to play, and specifically, like you said, you have to be. If somebody picks this character, you really have to like warn them before they commit to it that there's a good chance you could die. Again, just thinking about our own actual play, mm-hmm. the first like second or first or second session, whatever it was, we were in this little like goblin cave, and like a swarm of goblins came running out at us, like dozens of goblins we all jumped down a well to save our lives well that slayer is going to stay there and probably not live right in the second session or potentially you could cause total tpk right total party kill by because maybe the rest of your party likes you enough where they want to support you all crap there he goes and then you're you're dragging your whole party along and so you know the slayer survives but the 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 wizard didn't (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it's very thematic. It's a fighter, you know. And in some ways, it's more than a one-trick pony. Um, I think that the best role player for this role is someone that truly understands the dwarf lore or has done some reading and understands what a Slayer really is. Yep. Because believe it or not, as annoying as it might be to be in a party where this dude, oh, there's something to fight. He's gone. He's already running towards it. Crap. Like, that is what I would expect from a Slayer, and how fun is that, right? Or the the role-playing scenes that you could have, like, just trying to convince Gunner that this isn't the fight he needs to fight right now, you know? That he's not going to get his honor if he dies against some two-bit street thug, you know? Anyway, I, I just, I love it. I, it's great. I would never, I don't think I would ever turn down playing the Slayer if I rolled it up. Like, it would just be, my goal would be to die as quick as I could. I, I it literally would be I would be like I'm going in yeah it would be like let's if, see what's next right so um I love the so on the the Slayer page in the Coral Book the last two words are in bold and they just say die well yeah so good. sums it up pretty good it does it does all right well we've reviewed the bailiff and the Slayer so uh, now that our review is complete. We're going to put our creative juices to the test with our often loved build-off. We, your hosts, have each taken one of those careers. Uh, I'm going to do the Slayer. Matt's going to do the Bailiff. And we're going to make some characters and hope to outdo each other in a contest of coolness and creativity. Once we've reviewed our creations, we'll put them up. On, uh, we'll put those to the test and have you, the Old World Podcast community, vote and tell us who you think won. So... Yes, here are the rules. Each of us will be assigned one of the careers we've reviewed and then must create a character using the normal character creation rules. In addition, once we've completed initial character creation, we receive 1,000 earned XP to advance our characters however we'd like. Now that we've created our characters, we'll present them, giving a little bit of their background and taking through the character creation and advancement process, explaining why we made the choices we did. All right, do you want to go first? I suppose I can go first. So I, I want to make a a statement beforehand about what, what's about to happen here. So I made a gnome bailiff. 
a gnome being one of the most like divisive oh, things true. in all of Warhammer. And you are a slayer, one of the most like widely renowned and beloved most Warhammer things ever. So I see what you're doing. Could here. I win? Maybe. Maybe I could win. But I feel like I I uh started way behind the so, the so on this here's one. the thing. If you do win, then it'll be like irrefutable that you, you, you won on it on skill alone. But Correct. if I win, you'll always be able to point, well, I made a no. I, I, I gave myself an out right away. <laughs> uh, and it's worth noting that if by some miracle I win, then the the next time you make a Slayer, your shame uh, trapping at tier one is going to be that you lost in a career build off. Oh, yes, it will be. To a gnome. <laughs> to a gnome. So, <laughs> Moving on. My gnome's name is Zveniel Scattleburn. He is a nice. gnomish peasant who is a bailiff. I was able to get him up to career level two. He's 73 years young, four foot one inches tall, has brown a hair and hazel eyes. So to get started, the I I did all right with the with a lot of the um orid, like starting attributes. Sure. So some of that is really the gnomes have some pretty significant stats to start out with in some of the different categories. Specifically, their willpower is 2d10 plus 40. Oh my gosh, so good. Which is pretty good. Specifically, I rolled a 12 on that, so my willpower right out of the gate was at 52, which is pretty darn impressive. Right. However, that is is the flip side of that. The ballistic scale and strength both start out at 2d10 plus 10, so those are... are typically not going to be really high skills. So I was not, I I did not luck out and roll the 97 that I needed to roll in order to get a gnome as my starting species. So I did not get the plus 20 for that. I also wasn't able to roll up a bailiff, so I didn't get plus 20 for that. However, I did take the full 50 for just taking attributes as they, where they landed. Okay. So the, let's see, starting, um, they start with no, or I'm sorry, they start with uh, two fate and two extra points. So I put uh, I put those other two into resilience. I may not have done that had it not been for one of our recent actual plays where resilience came in super handy. Right. Um, let's see. So the starting out, believe it or not, this is going to come as a, a huge surprise. I decided to go the criminal route. <laughs> I thought no. about not going the criminal route, but then I was like, nah, <laughs> better go a criminal route. So the starting uh, skills that I took with five advances were charm, language, magic, and gossip, language, magic, because they do have some magical uh, traits. All gnomes have some magical traits right out of the gate, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, consume alcohol with plus three, outdoor survival, and stealth with plus three. Talents I took were beneath notice, luck, because luck is huge, always huge, huge, uh, rewrite sixth sense and small. And then I took advances in all eight of my starting skills so that I could bump up to that second career level uh, naturally. Uh, the first career talent I took was embezzle because criminal mm-hmm. and that's who I am. I shouldn't hide that anymore. Uh, and trappings, we kind of know what stuff they come with clothing, dagger, pouch, hand weapon, things right. of that nature. So to get to the really good stuff, so as far as how I spent my my uh, 1,000 XP, 1,025 XP to be exact, 
Uh, I picked up a tenacious talent. I advanced up to scare uh, tier level two, took the public speaking talent, took the criminal talent, um, another criminal talent because you can never have too many. Right. Plus five to fellowship. I took the evaluate skill, the lower local skill, uh, three to the uh, cool skill, three to intimidate, five to leadership, and then I took the break and enter talent as well because, again, I'm a criminal. <laughs> My short-term ambition is to prove himself to a man named Arthur Washburn, which is uh, ties into my backstory a little bit. So I grew up, grew up in Glimdwaro, and the the Greenskid hordes of Grom the Paunch, which is listed right in the gnome section there, talks about how they came through and wiped out a huge number of gnomes that were living in that area, including the family of Porzveniel. He was taken in by a local crime boss slash Reeve by the name of Arthur Washburn. Uh, who taught him at a young age how to be a tax collector and how to be somebody who was in that role of the the bailiff type role uh, to groom him and bring him up so that someday he would be one of his Reeves and be somebody that would be successful in that position. So I was trained to be a tax collector from a young age. And one of the things about getting up to that bailiff level is that you have three tax collectors that are part of your crew essentially. Mm-hmm. So I have Greta who is a dwarf female, Sora who is a human male and Tillman who is a gnome male. Tillman is also my cousin. So out of the three tax collectors, the, uh, the dwarf female Greta and the human male Sora are both think, think like hired, hired guns essentially, or like mercenaries mm-hmm. almost. So here's Zvenio who's this very small, gnome who's only four foot tall. Well, Sora is a giant of a human at almost seven feet tall. Jeez. Uh, cannot read or write, can barely speak English, but who can knock on a door and get the money that they're owed. So I'm essentially this little gnome who's going around with these two giant henchmen that go around and take care of my business for me. Nice. In addition, Tillman, my, my cousin was, he also lost his family to the green skin hordes. So I kind of took him under my wing. Tillman is a little more simple, I guess would be a good way to put it. Not really successful, but I, I keep him around because I feel some sense of obligation to my family. Right. And, uh, despite the fact that he screws up a lot, he's still a beloved member of the crew. Nice. And yeah, that's Veniel. Nice. Gnomish bailiff. No Extraordinaire. Okay, let me crack my knuckles here. All right. All right, so my Slayer. Oh, there it is. You won. Congratulations. I was kidding. <laughs> nice. So my Slayer is Oni Barrel Belly. Uh, so Oni, uh, obviously, I also tried to roll up a dwarf and failed, and a Slayer and failed. Um, so, but I did take my attributes as they were. Um, I also got quite the bump in willpower at a 53 to start. Ooh. Um, weapon skill started at 40, toughness at 44, um, intelligence 27 though. <laughs> so, and strength 28, which is not great for a starting wow. slayer. Yeah. It's just, oh. And you not, didn't decide to move that around? I didn't. I didn't. 
And uh, we're going to get to little reasons why in my backstory here. So, uh, Fate and Resilience. I feel like you're leaving the door open a little bit now. Oh, I'm leaving the door open. Uh, Wide open. So, uh, I put... um, so uh, you starting fate is zero, starting resilience is two. I get two extra points. I put one into fate and one into resilience, giving me a final fate of one and a final resilience of three. You see, I almost feel like fate goes against the Slayer, the slayer as a whole. See, I feel like I need the re-roll. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. That's and fair. And at some point, like, I would hate for a completely random crappy die roll to let me die in a way that's not epic. So... Um, I don't know. I thought one fate was. I almost went zero fate, and and if I ever to play a game rolled up one, I would seriously consider going zero fate. Zero fate. Ooh. That's horrifying. <laughs> it's horrifying, isn't it? But no, I I went with one. Um, and uh, my motivation was to honor Vallea, uh, especially when it comes to beer, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so I, my first advances, I went ahead and put two into strength to bring me up to 30 and put the rest into willpower to bring that willpower up to 56. So, uh, skills and talents, um, I went ahead and pulled, uh, consume alcohol and trade brewing and endurance is my big ones. Trade brewing because, uh, Oni actually is the son of a brewmaster. Um, and he actually grew up in Carrick Zifflin. Uh, and his father has made an excellent brew, like one that became that became very, very well known. Um, some say that if he continues to make this uh, brew perfect, that it could potentially one day even be enough to like get to the level of Bugman's. But uh, but it's it's not there yet, but it's very good. Um, so entertaining storytelling, Lord Dwarves, Language Kazalid. Uh, he works for his father. And he's becoming a brewer himself. Uh, he gets his magic resistance, night vision, read, write, resolute, and sturdy talents automatically. So um, I, with my careers, I went ahead and put 10 in to consume alcohol uh, because of, you know, he's a brewer. Uh, seven into cool, three into dodge, one into endurance, three into gamble, three into heal, three into lore. And uh, 10 into Melee Basic. So I built this all very specifically um, because I, I will eventually move him up to the level. But um, I tried to build these based on the story he had. The talent I took right up front was Frenzy because, yeah, you got to have Frenzy. So normal trappings, not going to go into all that. Um, but I did go ahead with my money. I did buy um, an ugly, unreliable flask. And one pint of Bugman's. And uh, I'll explain that later. Um, so uh, Oni is 70 years old, or young, as I should say. And uh, five foot, one inch. Uh, so a little tall for, for a dwarf. Brown hair and earth brown eyes. Um, so let's talk about advancement. Uh, so right up at the front, I'm going to bring up my skills so that I can advance them. So uh, plus two to dodge, uh, plus two to gamble plus two to heal. Uh, and then um, I did need to get plus two to lore trolls. Um, and then I needed to move up my characteristics as well. So plus five to weapon skill, plus three to strength, and plus two to willpower. At this point, I went ahead and spent um, my hundred to, or I uh, bought a hundred for the talent, fearless against everything. And then spent a hundred to change to a giant slayer. At that point, I bought up toughness by six. 
That was expensive. Two, uh, that'll give me a 50. And then I bought two more to willpower to bring my willpower to a 60. I bought the Talent Hardy twice mm-hmm. and put three into Outdoor Survival, one into Melee Basic, and one into Melee Two-Handed. So what I end up with is a Slayer that has just in his uh, his Consume Alcohol is 65. His Cool is 67. He has a 60 for Charm Animal, Endurance of 56, Melee Basic of 56, Melee Two-Handed of 46, um, and a heal of 30. So he still can't heal very well, but he can. He also has some uh, brewing, right? Trade brewing of thirty three. So he's still nice. still got a little bit of it. So uh, he's he's a tough guy, and his wounds are twenty nine, twenty nine wounds. So goo, uh, that's a lot of wounds. It's a lot of wounds. So so his story is he was in Carrick Ziflin. He uh, was a son of this brewmaster. And but his true true love was that he actually uh, got married and had a daughter, a daughter that he loved dearly. But because of his father's success and the fact that he was one of the few dwarves with the great honor to have a daughter, uh, he became a little obstinate. Thought he was all that, um, and would often get into drinking matches and insulting games. And uh, one day he took it too far. He can usually hold his liquor, but it didn't hold out this day. And he was insulting in an insult match with another dwarf, a a lesser brewmaster than his father, and saying how his his brew was slop and crap. And uh, his daughter, thinking to bring him a pint of Bugman's to then say, well, this is good stuff, he grabbed it and even before he finished bringing it to his mouth, started insulting this beer. And when it touched his lips and he realized that he had just massively insulted Bugman's brew, he realized the huge shame he brought upon himself, his hold, his family, and his daughter, the thing he loved the most. He took the Slayer's Oath. He traveled to Karakidran, shaved his head, spiked and dyed his hair. And now... He has dedicated his life to Valea, the goddess of beer, and he has decided that he will die with a beer in his hand and fighting the biggest thing he can. Bugman's no less. Bugman's no less. And is, he is has that the shame that he carries with it's him. It's a shame that he carries with him. He's got this old beaten up flask that has his last drink of Bugman's. So when he dies, he will drink the Bugman's and you know say to Valea, take away my dishonor. And that is Oni. Yep, that's uh, that's pretty good, Lance. Not gonna lie, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with that one. So, <clears throat> all right, old worlders, this is where you come in. You can follow the links in the show notes and vote. We've posted polls on our webpage, on Facebook, and on Twitter. You can go out there and vote. Tell us who you think had the coolest character and gets bragging rights over their fellow co-hosts. So our next segment... Feed your greater demon. I am never going to get old. That's never going to get old. I'm smiling from ear to ear right now. That's awesome. So 
Anyway, in the Feed Your Greater Demon show segment, we talk about ideas you can use to help support your local Fligus or FLGS. <laughs> Fligus. Fligus. I love it. Um, and, and build up your Wolf Rope community. So. Yeah, so last week or last uh, episode, we talked about getting in touch with your store owner, uh, your local Fligus. See if they can put up a, uh, either have a binder or a sign-up sheet or an email list or a board that you can try to organize mm-hmm. and get a game going. One of the things we wanted to talk about this week or in this episode is utilizing social media, sites like Meetup, Facebook, to better organize that. Use the tools that we have at our disposal to reach out to more people and ultimately get them to meet up at your local store right, and get so- some games going. So the thing with this is, right, so we're, we're talking about how good it is to try to get something going locally, right? So even Steve was just talking about it a little bit before. Like, he doesn't get to play a lot of board games. There's nobody around him that plays. Well, if Steve would go into the local gaming store, I guarantee he's going to find a ton of people that would play games. I have an idea. <laughs> if I go to my local friendly game store. I'm just <laughs> right. Man, it's like you heard it on a podcast <laughs> know, somewhere. Uh... So, yeah, but no, that's that's the thing, right? But you don't necessarily have to do that. You can be involved in an online community and like, oh, man, you can say, reach out to people. Hey, are they people in this area? Or even a lot of people will create a group for like, the, like we live in the Lansing area, we can have like the greater Lansing area oh, game yeah. group, right? There's, there's already groups like that. Right. And the, if you if you reach out there and ask, those groups might already exist, you can join and then you can be like, hey, my local game store, you know, Super Comic and Games has tables in the back and I'd like to get yeah, to play some Warhammer at this time or some role playing or even D&D, like get them in the, get, get them in the door with D&D and then move them over to the real game, Warhammer. There we go. So now I'm thinking, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so just, uh, yeah, don't be afraid to use the, the online. Social. Yeah. And, and just look to see what's already there. I am a part of probably like maybe four or five different large communities of gamers that are just in the state of Michigan, West Michigan, tabletop gamers. There's thousands of, um, I'm a little disappointed. People that are in that group. There's the Capital Area. There's the uh, Detroit, like so I, Greater Detroit Tabletop Gamers. All of those have, you know, I hundreds or thousands of of uh, people in the group. So I assumed you were in double digits on those on those groups. I am really really disappointed right now. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Well, I feel like I've let you down. I've let myself down, Lance. Yeah, time to go start eight more groups. It's true. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> So you, yeah, try to utilize those, and as always, try to bring them into your local store and build up that community. Yeah, great idea. All right, so let's move on to listener questions. So tonight we uh, are going to continue our regular segment on listener questions. Uh, but before we get into tonight's question, Matt, how can someone get us those questions? Well, Lance, it's easy. There are several ways on Twitter at Old World Podcast, Facebook at facebook.com slash oldworldpodcast, or direct email, which is questions at oldworldpodcast.com. Our question tonight is from Michael Doherty on Twitter. It's Dottie. <laughs> Shout out, Michael. You've been one of our listeners since the beginning. You That's rock. That's true. Dottie? Very true. Dottie? Yeah, Dottie. Our question tonight is from Michael Dottie on Twitter. <laughs> Holy cow. Weapon prices are whack as hell. A hand weapon costs a whole gold crown. I think I'll inflate or depreciate the cost of certain items and their availability depending on where they're bought. At Old World Podcast, I'm curious as to how you do this by the book or... Uh, this is a good question, and uh, there are several things to consider. 
Uh, first answer to your question, we generally do things by the book, of course. But like I said, this is a game where you can uh, tweak things as you wish. Uh, but there are many ways to get a uh, better weapon uh, or just a cheaper weapon. Uh, my favorite, I like to loot. Uh, so if someone I'm fighting a guy with a sword and I take him out, that sword's probably mine now. Uh, <laughs> this may or may not be obvious. Um, and your enemies will often have crappy weapons, but a crappy sword might be better than a dagger or a stick. That's true. And, or even if it's not better than what you have, it might be worth something right. to somebody. Right. Exactly. Or you right. could just, yeah, And GMs, it. don't be afraid to let them have these things. Um, as we're going to talk about in our next bullet point, um, there are ways for you to not just be handing your, your group, you know, gold crown, several gold right. crown worth of weapons. Yeah. So, and that's one of the things that when I first read the, that chapter of the book, it seemed like I wanted more options for weapons that it seemed like, Instead of just having like, you know, the hand weapon encompasses, a, you know, a litany of other actual weapons. So uh, one of the ways that you can modify that is by giving the item uh, positive qualities or flaws. So specifically in this case, if you don't want your player to have a really nice weapon that has, you know, cost a bunch, give it a, give it a flaw, right? So right. each flaw is going to cut the cost of the item in half. You can make it ugly, which is going to affect the fellowship, which is negative 10 to fellowship in certain situations. An item could be shoddy, in which case it breaks if you, right. you know, roll doubles on a failed roll. Unreliable uh, gives it a uh, negative one success level. It can be bulky, which will affect the encumbrance or you know, any combination of those. Right. So just because you know, the, the price is seem high you can and as a gm your your gm should be aware of that too and know that in certain circumstances to adjust that right and there's nothing wrong with adjusting the prices if you feel that's going to work in your game but here's the thing just uh, we're so easy when we we go to the equipment chapter and we skip right to where the tables are that tells us about the weapons right there's that whole section at the beginning of the equipment section that talks about availability and talks about yeah and how that affects cost yeah, yeah. and so, hey, give, yeah, great. You picked up that sword from that bandit, except that sword is chipped and beat up. It's ugly, it's shoddy, and it's unreliable. Sure, you could probably sell it secondhand. It's a, it's a terrible weapon. It's a terrible weapon, right. So, sure, you're going to get that extra plus one strength bonus when you swing it, but also don't fail that roll or roll yeah. doubles or try to talk to somebody in any sort of power with it, like, oh, look at my fancy sword. Yeah, no, I'm not going to talk to you. You know, yeah, another thing too, you could encourage your players to to uh, put some uh, advances into their haggle ability or their haggle skill, right? Right, oh, exactly. That way, they could try to to work the price down, or just encourage them to be criminals. Just kill the shop owner and steal the, the weapon. There you go. You get I mean, them all, it, and you get sell this, them. This the is the old time. world, right? <laughs> there, there we go. You don't follow rules. That's true. And, and and I view the prices in the book as like these are like you're going to Walmart, you're buying a brand new sword from aisle five. You know, it's shiny, <laughs> crystal clear. The blacksmith just made it. Whoa, but. whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> to be clear here, the sword you're buying at Walmart is shoddy. <laughs> And it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so as a GM, you know, definitely they're gonna know that uh, you know haggle and so on and so forth. So you don't always have to buy that brand new <laughs> weapon yeah. for the shop. Yeah, there are <laughs> options. Yeah. So anyway, that was a great question. So uh, thank you everyone that sends us in questions and for all of your support. If you do have questions of your own, don't hesitate to send them our way. Absolutely. Uh, so that's the end of our show tonight, guys. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, on our next discussion episode, we will have the Lord of the Underdeep, Nolan, back with us again to discuss 
in between adventures. Hit the thing. Good one. Hit the thing. Lord of the Underdeep, Nolan. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we are. uh, We're gonna have. We're gonna be talking about the in between adventures, which I am so stoked to talk about. Um, That is gonna be an exciting one. Uh, We're really gonna dig in and talk about what's there, and. Hopefully, and I fully expect that we're going to start with these releases coming up, get more options for this. Yeah. I'm so happy. Yeah, it, it could use a little more. There's definitely a lot in there. But yeah. The, yeah. The, there's going to be tons it, of opportunity to expand upon that. Right. They got the skeleton. Now they need to really add the meat. So, yeah. 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 So we'll talk about how to utilize those in your games, how to, you know, encourage your players to take a good look at that and, and do something that's going to benefit them. Absolutely. Sounds good. So intrepid listeners, keep in touch. Let us know your questions, feedback, and even show topic suggestions. You can contact multiple ways by checking out our website at www.oldworldpodcast.com, Twitter at Old World Podcast, and of course Facebook at facebook.com forward slash oldworldpodcast. And while you're checking us out on the various social interwebs, be sure to hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. If you like what we're doing and want to help out, become a patron. For only a couple dollars a month, you can help support the show and get some cool rewards, too. Check us out at patreon.com slash oldworldpodcast. Also, let us know what you think. Visit iTunes or your preferred podcast service and rate us. Every review helps us reach even more Warhammer fans. All right. Well, this is Lance saying good night, and may the slayers you meet be all drunk and happy. This is Steve, and don't forget this is Warhammer. So if you happen to end up in jail, don't forget to bribe your friendly local bailiff. This is Matt saying goodnight, and please, somebody vote for Spaniel. I just want one vote. <laughs> That's all I need. That's all I need. Somebody. Please, somebody. Peyton Bodwell. Somebody I bet you he will. vote for the gnome. Somebody, please. This podcast and related website are completely unofficial and are not endorsed by Games Workshop Limited or Cubicle 7 Entertainment. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. GW, Games Workshop, Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and all associated logos, illustrations, images, names, creatures, races, vehicles, locations, weapons, characters, and the distinctive likenesses thereof are registered trademarks of Games Workshop Limited, Cubicle 7 Entertainment, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio or video information, is the intellectual property of the Old World Podcast and Crimson Tower Studios, LLC.